0: You are listening to Prove Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and
1: welcome to Prove Text. I'm Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and I'm here with my friend Dr. Frederick J. Long. And this
0: is the first episode in season two. So, Fred, how you doing? Great. I'm um, excited that 2021 is here and that we're rolling out a second season of Prove Text. Prove Text is a play on words from proof text, which is when you take a, a verse out of context. We don't like to do that. We want to interpret scripture and God's word in context and to prove what we're saying by a diligent observation of what's present in the text. So how about you, Michael? How is your uh, Dr. Halcom, how's your year started? Michael's
1: We're fine. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually it's gotten off to a pretty bumpy start, so hoping that uh, things are looking up from here, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, you know,
0: ministry. Yeah, you ran <laughs> in, you ran in to save some dogs from a burning fire. Yeah that was yeah. an answer to some prayer
1: there was that for sure uh running into a a house in flames um originally ran in because the lady told me her husband was in there upstairs Mm -hmm. so i busted down the door i don't know how i did that just adrenaline and then uh
0: yeah pretty pretty reflexive
1: yeah yep, very um and so yeah you know and then just ministry ministry can be very challenging it's been Gosh, it's been a challenging um, uh, ministry season just through the pandemic, like you know, and yeah. look uh, through an election season and yeah. all the just heightened tensions. And it seems like everybody's running low on on patience and thin on grace, and yeah. uh, you know, so it's high on judgment, high on judgment, high on uh, separation. <laughs> you know, you, you disagree with me, you're gone. Cancel culture kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. um, Tough here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Tough here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, we, you and I had been talking uh, at the end of last season. uh, What will season two look like? And one of the things that uh, came on our radar was prayer, which is pretty exciting because I, I, I think I'd mentioned to you, you know, I've been a Christian, going on 21 years and um to me having done four bible and theology degrees uh a a degree in linguistics like the the thing the one thing that's still the most mysterious to me out of all of it is prayer i I find it to be super fascinating and
0: and mysterious yeah yeah i think that's interesting as we were yeah reflecting on what to do next this issue of prayer came up and i wish we would have recorded what we were talking about because it just you know (laughs) we spent like you know 40 minutes talking about it as a you know this is a concept and i thought we've got a lot to talk about because for me prayer is like everything it's the Mm -hmm. environment in which we live and and i think i think there can be a lot of confusion about it there is certainly a lot of mystery and i i don't know that people feel very comfortable praying yeah maybe because they don't know what it is and yet you know almost every chapter in the bible um you know somehow touches upon prayer uh, sometimes quite explicitly at least you know several chapters will mention it within a book if not even contain explicit prayers Right. So um, Jesus, of course, taught his disciples how to pray in the Lord's prayer. And then in uh, John's gospel, you have, I think it's a, cl- a climactic moment in John 17, where Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and he prays for the disciples who would believe in the disciples' message. So it's called the high priestly prayer or the, the son's prayer in John 17. So Uh, Ephesians comes to a climax calling believers to prayer and praying for Paul so prayer is like all over the place and I think it's the atmosphere in which we we live so yeah we as a as a way to begin I thought it might be good to talk about our earlier earlier experiences of of praying of prayer maybe some influences maybe books or people that might have influenced our understanding of prayer. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Michael. Yeah,
1: um, I I can lead us off on that. Um, And I didn't become a Christian until right before the start of my senior year of high school. And I I had gone to church sort of in a limited fashion, very limited fashion uh, before that. Um, So my first introduction to prayer was Visiting church, you know, um, mm-hmm. and really, uh, I guess that occurred in an old Southern Baptist church in uh, Sparta, Kentucky. I mean, that wasn't my my first time I had ever been to church there um, at, at yeah. that particular church, but his old Southern Baptist church. Uh, one of my friends' dads was the pastor, um, and he was. He was a, a pretty vocal prayer, you know, a strong, mm-hmm. a strong, bold prayer. And he um, he eventually left that Southern Baptist congregation and and planted his own church. And it was it was kind of a, a big shift because he, he the congregation that he planted. Was Pentecostal in nature, and so it was. It was a pretty wild shift to go from you know a Southern Baptist to a charismatic Pentecostal to see him then mm-hmm. you know doing things like encouraging the praying of of tongues and uh, this sort of thing. And yeah. uh, when I when I saw that, uh, I was just uh, I don't know I. I, I didn't even know what to make of it. I didn't like have the mental categories. You know, I, I was like, a, I wasn't even a Christian yet when I'm seeing this really, but I didn't have like the mental, mental categories to like play something like that. in. I just kind of thought it was hilarious.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> so your first experience of one of your early experiences of prayer is speaking in tongues.
1: Yeah. Not or me. I, I wasn't
0: yeah, doing yeah. it, but I was watching, but well, that's part of the problem
1: yeah no, yeah let's get it. <laughs> right right um but really it was just hilarious to me like i remember laughing like as i was watching that uh, uh people kind of like dance like and and doing that kind of like ecstatic you know uh speech and action kind of stuff and um that that was kind of and i grew up in a non-christian household so there was no praying, like nobody in my family ever prayed. I don't have any recollection of anybody ever praying. Um, mm. Yeah, so that church church was my very first experience. That. What about you?
0: You know, I um, I I went to church my whole life, but I didn't really have anyone introduce me to the Lord until I was um senior year in high school, but I did have a sort of a prayer life. I, I remember as a little boy, maybe six, seven, eight in the sanctuary, I would look up at the wooden cross in the sanctuary, up, up in the front of the sanctuary and just pray and uh, kind of stare at the cross, make my eyes go cross-eyed, make the cross kind of <laughs> go fuzzy and, and what, but I also remember during communion, passing of the, the elements of, of um, during communion and thinking you know, I want to be a part of a religion or a faith that doesn't bow in shame, you know, but can look up at the Father who loves mm. us. And I remember having this kind of deep sense as a little boy. So I don't know. Um, I think I, I think these were yearnings. I think I think they come out of a, a sense of a sense of longing for God. And but then it was at a Baptist church that I. Um, that I did come to the Lord more explicitly and said the sinner's prayer and uh, began a more more explicit life of praying and growing in the Lord. So, you know, reading scripture and -hmm. then being around people that prayed more intentionally, you know, discipling me, teaching me more about the faith and scripture and stuff. I mean, I was a part of youth group. I was vice president of the youth group but I just wasn't alive to the faith until that moment. And really a little bit later on with the first semester I was at university. And then uh, there were some guys on my dorm floor. They took me to charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches. And so then I had exposure to hmm. tongue speaking and kind of seeking a more kind of intimate or, you know, that kind of experience. And so that was kind of something that I, struggled with a little bit, sought after, experienced, and then moved away from. Hmm. Yeah. So those are some of my experiences.
1: Huh. Um, that that's the the childhood reflection story is kind of interesting. Let's go back to that for a moment. You said something about you wanted to be in a church or denomination or something where you weren't bowing in shame. Is that, is that how you worded it?
0: Yeah. I, I felt, you know, like, why are we afraid to look up at God? You know, so we're, mm. you know, we're just, whenever we're praying, we're like, everyone's bowed down. And I thought, I want to be a part of a religion. You know, of course I'm speaking as like a little eight year old, you know, a mm. faith. I want to be a part of a faith that you look up. And you can like smile at God, (laughs) you know, that he can smile back at you. So I I remember having having that sense and I was just kind of struck by the fact that that this faith seemed to be so somber and serious and shame based or something like that. Right.
1: Yeah, that's 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 a massive insight as a youngster. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
0: I think I was lucky. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no. I, I, well, I think that's an interesting a- aspect of prayer, right? Posture uh, yes. th- that you were like so dialed into that as eight year old you or however old you were, but just postures of a, a super fascinating aspect. Uh, I mean, you look at at, I don't know, even in Islam or Buddhism or, you know, evangelical, you know, uh, the, the different sort of postures that you see manifest uh, in, in these religious circles.
0: You, do You do find that um, posture is important. Is that, is that ever been, or is it an important part of, of your prayer life, Michael? You know, it, I,
1: I, I think cognitively, yes, but practically it, it hasn't manifest itself in that way. You know, um, I, I think that, you know, just look, even when I, in in worship, when I'm raising my hands and doing different things with my hands, like very, on a very cognitive like level, I have, I've assigned different motions or different meanings to what I do with my hands. Right. So if, if, if I have my hands, like palms up, you know, it's sort of this This sort of posture of receiving, I think that's pretty common for most Mm -hmm. people. If I have both hands up in the air, it kind of looks like you know when when a cop is pointing at you and hands up, you know, it's like a a position of surrender. And so, like when I do that, if I have just like one hand up, maybe a hand on the heart, right? I, I am, I am doing this sort of like allegiance, like pledge of allegiance kind of thing. Or you have a question. Yeah, or I have a question. <laughs> um, so I, I'm very cognizant of my body language and my posture when I'm singing. Um, I'm aware of it when I, I'm praying. But again, I, I think it's I've been less intentional about that. I mean, I, I, I like do not like praying on my knees yeah. at all. Like is so so uncomfortable we have a we have wood floors here anyways it's like super yeah uncomfortable um and i find it really distracting because mm-hmm. you know uh
0: so yeah yeah there i mean paul do we have instances of people kneeling i mean paul of course in, um ephesians 3 kneels before the the father from whom yeah every father land receives its its name both in heaven and on earth. So he's, he takes a kneeling stance. Um, There's also like a prostrate prostrating stance where, or, you know, where you're laying flat, you know, belly down. Yeah. And that's like complete submission
1: revelation four, I think that's the image we get in the throne room of all the worshipers falling prostrate like that. Yeah, I think that slight difference that you're the the kneeling, perhaps with like clasped hands, you know. Yeah. um, I I think that's even an importantly different position than, you know, what the the prostrate. um, I got to be careful careful when I say
0: prostrate. I I know I was going to make a joke about that. We're not talking um, prostate (laughs) in a prostate stance, but a prostrate Uh, position. Um, Yeah. The um. Yeah, I mean the, the kneeling is actually a, is a an aspect of military submission. Yes, so yes. Roman military submission scene shows the barbarian general, you know, kneeling with mm-hmm. hands up, pleading t- to the emperor for forgiveness and mercy. Really, yeah, receive mercy. So there, it's a it's clearly a supplicant kind of stance. That knee, and be- the, bending the knee. Mm-hmm. The uh, I, I've read too about the the clasped
1: hands while kneeling. So, you, like you were saying, you didn't have the open hands like that, or the the clasped hands was one way for say a soldier um, or a captive to to send the message that they had no weapons on them. You know, mm. so th- th- they couldn't the clasped inf- hand. Okay. Yeah, th- they they couldn't inflict any violence. That wow. they they were totally at the mercy of the person to whom they were kneeling before.
0: Yeah. yeah, you can see depictions of this on Trajan's column in Rome. If you search Trajan's column, you can see it's a various stages of warfare, but at the end you can see well at the end of the, the military you can see the the, the kneeling and also mm. the gemma augustea, which is this gemstone called the gemma augustea. You can see it uh, the kneeling down before the um, the Roman soldiers and the, mm. the trophy being set up. So you can see this if you people want to see some of these ancient depictions of this submission v- via kneeling.
1: Yeah. I so also they, think, I think one of the things that's w- going on and perhaps either of those you kneeling and, and falling down on your face is it's kind of an interesting action to take because yeah. It, it is, it's kind of this act, right? If you, if you compare it with standing, like then it's this act of like making yourself smaller before God mm-hmm. or, you know, um, uh, yeah, like identifying your littleness, your, your, your smallness before, before the person that you have fallen, you know, fallen before the God that you're, it's- you're praying to.
0: Yeah, and it seems silly that we would even need to do that. Like, who would think that God is on our level or or bigger than God? But somehow we just need to be reminded, or we need to remind ourselves uh, that we are His servants, His slaves.
1: Yeah. So and as the servant. so as the uh, uh, older adult you at this point, um, what would you what advice would you give to that eight-year-old you uh,
0: about that thought you had? <laughs> <laughs> um, things may not seem what the, what they are, um, and uh, there is a time for humility, mm. and uh, there is a time for rejoicing and looking at the Lord in the face. Um, right, but but yeah, there, it's not one or the other. It can be a both and, is what I would say. Yeah. yeah. So I was probably, you know, I, I don't know where I'd be on Erickson's uh, moral development schema, but I was obviously at the either-or phase <laughs> and not the both-and.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you also have the posture of standing up with outstretched arms to God as, you, you know, the or, or the the and, the both-and, the mm-hmm. and part of both-and. They sort of face up to God, right? Um hmm we, we
0: have those sort of images in scripture as well. Yeah. First Timothy two talks about, I want men everywhere to, to, to raise up holy hands. Um, and I've actually heard people argue that that's actually a, just a pagan prayer posture. And I was, I was like, what, you know, so I don't think so. I mean, I, I did, I did find um, a family coming before a God a god or goddess, I forget which one, but basically they, they had their hands kind of up, but they're walking towards them. But then it's pretty clearly First Timothy 2 talks about men, you know, having hands lifted up high, holy hands. So I just don't see why we would think that was just a pagan kind of response. Yeah. As in, if we in, were unconsciously, you know, if we didn't <laughs> know that we did it, we are somehow pagan. Right. Ignorantly it doesn't make sense to me
1: and you have in luke uh 21 um luke twenty one twenty eight, where uh it's in an eschatological context but they're sort of waiting for the return of the messiah the redeemer and you have that comment about look up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near you know um that sort of posture
0: uh, you think their hands are up too then at that time
1: It would seem like it. I mean.
0: Mm -hmm. um, Possibly. Yeah, possibly. In that eschatological context, I'd have one hand up, meaning I have question. (laughs) I'm asking Uh, a question. When, (laughs) when are you coming, looking for an answer? Definitely. I'd have uh, one hand up for sure. Right. Well, you know, what's
1: interesting, like if you think about, and is it Mark five, I think it is. the mark five or mark six i think it's mark five and then maybe um luke 13 where you have the the crippled woman she's uh i don't know if it's the same story actually but the stories are kind of similar at least in luke luke 13 the crippled woman is um she's raised up right and so she goes from this like this state Mm -hmm. of being hunched over and uh perhaps prostrate and then into this position of of raising up and opening up Mm -hmm. and it it kind of yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah yeah so i I don't know i think perhaps there's something uh something of a, a stage going on there you know from if you you're starting at you know falling on your face you're prostrate before god and then to the kneeling and then to a full sort of upright position um
0: yeah, those so, yeah, are. I think there are different postures, and one last point before we maybe take a break here is just cognitive studies have reminded us of the importance of our body mechanics and motion, and, and intertwine with our conception and our conceptualization. Mm-hmm. And so, what when we're talking about postures, I think. I think there's a lot there. Like, I think, I think there's a lot being communicated by our postures in terms of meaning and even how we conceive of things. And it may even help us submit to God like in our lives, right? If we physically bend our knee and bow our knees and get prostrate on the ground, it may help us live differently. If right take on those those that that position of prayer it might help us think differently and live differently
1: yeah i i think you look at what like exodus and jeremiah and the psalms where you have it, it it's at least it seems you have like prayer accompanying like dancing you know they have the tambourines out and uh they're they're upright and now they've moved from sort of a stationary position to like a mobile one but um yeah, I I think but it raises other questions for me and I know we got to take a break here but you know what about you know the posture of prayer where we're sitting and driving or you know on the toilet or laying in bed or whatever are those somehow not as good or are they communicating something worse I mean mm-hmm probably a lot of people pray in the shower and on the toilet and while they're driving or, you know, um, you know, And
0: along those lines too, sorry to interrupt is, is, um, do you need to pray out loud? Right. Is there a difference between verbalizing versus thinking prayer? Yeah. (laughs) I think there is.
1: That's a really good point. Yeah. It's certainly involving something, you know, different faculties for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know that I have an interest or uh, an answer to that, whether, you know, sitting on the john and praying is, is somehow wrong. It seems a little wrong when you compare it to being prostrate or kneeling or upright or dancing, but perhaps it's not. I I don't know. So it's just, it's kind of mysterious.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, what kind of closet, is, I think you've maybe worked with Matthew more, but when Jesus talks about go into the closet and pray, <laughs> go into your room and shut the door, is that a John? Yeah. What kind of room is that? I think it's we're... Matthew 6.6. 6. Oh, man. I think we're bordering,
1: we're entering into proof text land no, here. No, I
0: want to know what kind of room, what kind of, what kind of closet is that? Right. Um <laughs> oh man it's a according to a.t robinson is a storehouse a separate apartment one's private chamber closet or den i don't know i think could be a bucket in there (laughs) right Could be a bucket in there oh man
1: well um uh it's a good conversation we're going to talk more about prayer on the other side of the break hope you're enjoying this but for now listen to this Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glossa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit GlossaHouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glossa House, language resources for the global community. All right. Welcome back to this side of the episode. We hope you enjoyed that uh, promo from or for Glossa House. You should go over to GlossaHouse.com and uh, check out the wonderful resources they have there. But we're talking about prayer and we've we've been talking about the posture uh, that often accompanies our prayers and we thought that on this side of the episode maybe we would we need to define prayer like what do we mean when we're saying you know when we're using that word so um i'm certain that we'll have different definitions fred yeah. of of Absolutely. prayer um so i'm really curious to hear your definition of prayer and then uh share some on that and i'll share on mine as well so sure. you're how, how do you define
0: prayer? Yeah. Prayer is basically communion with God. It's, it's fellowship with God. It's a conversation with God. And uh, I would liken it to though, to, I, I draw an analogy that in human communication, when we're in communion with somebody in relationship and talking with someone, it's not one-sided. So, in other words, it's not just one person talking to the other. That would be, I mean, imagine being in a relationship like that when someone's just talking to you constantly. That would really suck, okay? <laughs> so that's not what prayer is. Prayer is not one-sided. It's its a two-sided conversation. And I think I think more profoundly in my, what I've come to think of it is, if if you know they say that human communication like eighty percent I think maybe even ninety percent of it is nonverbal, right. so communication between human beings eighty nine percent of it is nonverbal. That means that it's behavioral, it's gestural, it's tonal, it's perhaps even attitudinal. In other words, there's different facets to the communication. So if prayer is is communication two way communication then, and behavior and, and, and human communication is 80% nonverbal. What that means then is that our relationship with God, our communicating with God is often unspoken. Right. So when God looks down at us and when we're living, basically it's a posture of how we live. Like our whole life is communicating something to God verbally or nonverbally, And God hears that. And, and God responds and, and wants to be in fellowship with us, even if we're acting like jerks, which we often are, too often are. We're, we're acting like jerks. Um, but that communicates something to God. And so I, I think it's just really important to, you know, because sometimes you think, well, how come he's not responding to me or there's silence, you know, or there's hard things coming my way Well, it may be because we're initiating kind of a bad relationship and he's trying to break through to us. And um, we may want God to respond to us in some favorable way, and yet we're living contrary to his will. We're living in a bad way. And so the Lord is responsive to us, I believe. He's responsive to us. And so we just need to understand that how we live is communicating something to the Lord and is part of that ongoing communication. Mm. And hopefully we can listen enough and hear and respond in obedience that we can enter into a sweetness in the relationship, like a a tenderness where it's responsive and we can discern the Lord. And, um, you know, just to take it just a little step further. I think Jesus had this kind of fellowship with, with the father, right? That he says, you know, what I hear the father saying is what I say, what, what the father is doing. I'm doing. So in John's gospel, we get this tremendous insight that really the son, Jesus is the son is mirroring the father. He's reflecting what the father is doing. And I think we, as we're in fellowship, prayerful communion with God increasingly, Day by day, moment by moment, you know, Paul says to pray constantly. A hmm. short verse in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, pray constantly. Um, that as we do that, we reflect more and more God's will and God's light in the world. God's glory is reflected in us being in the world as we are in communion with him more and more. Hmm. Yeah, I I. I d-
1: I could actually, I guess part of me could really roll with the idea that uh, prayer is communion with God. Uh, one of the uh, contemplatives who, who I've read the most um, is Henri Nouwen, right? Or some people yeah. say Henry Nouwen, but he, he makes this great point that the word theology, like the, the original meaning, Of the word theology was not God talk, but he he says the original meaning of the word theology was union with God in prayer. Mm -hmm. I really I really like that. Um, I don't know. I as I as I look to scripture, I I think I see some some differences between uh, prayer in the Old Testament and the Hebrew scriptures over against prayer or in in addition to prayer in the the New Testament. Um, So I I don't know, we we can explore this. I do want to, um, you you said something there a moment ago about um, praying without ceasing. I think that's a great topic for a future episode. What is meant by that? Um, But so I I think in the Old Testament, uh, prayer uh, is this, pleading with God to come out of the depths and be present. Uh, and then the, the one who's doing the pleading is listening and expecting that that will happen. So prayer is a, is a pleading. Um, okay. So I, I see that in the old Testament. Then when I get to the new Testament, it's very similar but with some nuance so it's still prayer is pleading with god to come out of the depths but in the new testament seems that the one who's doing the pleading is listening and watching and waiting for the inbreaking of his kingdom before them at that very moment and so um and, and when, it, when, when that kingdom breaks in, something interesting happens. He calls us out of our depths and, and we sort of come forth. And really, I think that maybe the one of the end points of prayer, if not the end point, the end goal rather, is to align, is where we align whatever is before us with what the final future kingdom is you know that final future kingdom Mm -hmm. where everything is perfect and i really think Mm -hmm. that's sort of the function of of prayer it's this pleading that god uh what i'm experiencing right now in this moment right in front of me is not in alignment with your kingdom please your future final kingdom please bring it into alignment with it
0: and yeah it's hard to argue with that Um... (laughs) <laughs> I mean the Lord's prayer says you know your kingdom come your will be done um yeah. I think it does begin with our father so you know of course Karl Barth spent how many volumes in his systematic right. theology just expo- expositing what that means our father mm-hmm. so there is this profound relationship that is shared by all humanity because we're all dependent on him Um, but then there is a a will alignment. um, Yeah. That's taking place. Yeah. It's interesting that you see that like working out across history eschatologically. Yeah. I think prayer is an eschatological act. I think I really think that's what it is. Okay. See, I would see it as apocalyptic. So maybe Mm -hmm. we need to define apocalyptic and eschatological. So apocalyptic is revelatory. Whereas eschatological has to do with uh, future, you know, end kinds of matters. Yeah. I think there can be a confusion between the two. Sure. And eschatology often involves or always, probably always involves apocalyptic um, thinking. But it's Hmm. revelatory. Yeah, it's interesting though. So I'm really talking about like a vertical aspect of prayer, but you're really stressing this horizontal aspect. Escalological. I find that really interesting. Yeah, uh, maybe that's an interesting way to put it. It makes me squirm
1: a little bit, but yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be put into that box. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think it's the. Telic. Hmm. Yeah, it's the the pleading. Right when I find myself. At least in in supplicative prayer, you know, supplication, petitionary that's prayer. That's a big word, okay? Supplicative, yeah. Um, so, petitionary, you know, asking yeah. for something, and and we we're typically asking when something's not right. I mean, that's not always the case, but you know, mm-hmm. for if somebody's sick or somebody's struggling or we we need help, we're mm-hmm. we're we're petitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we're saying, you know, we're expressing this, this cry of, of the heart that God, this, 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 the way this is right now doesn't align with, with yeah. what I understand your future and final kingdom to be, please bring it in alignment. You know, the, this, this person's yeah. dying and we know that, that death has no place in your final future kingdom. Just, you know, like enter into this
0: right now and uh you know i think i think i think i'm seeing a really important difference and i think they can be complementary. but prayer is future oriented versus prayer as now relationship oriented
1: Hmm. well i mean i, I am saying like right now here in this moment yeah it it isn't right so what your final future kingdom looks like? Bring that bring that backward into the present and
0: yes. and make make the present look like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of prayer is is that I, what you said kind of struck me as we pray when things aren't right, and I think at a at a basic level, people pray we pray for things which means that we pray because things aren't right. Mm -hmm. So we're praying for certain ends. I think that that can get us into some trouble though. And I I think it can be, I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's a complete Mm. um, response because I think it does miss out on the now relational. It can miss out on that now relational dimension. I'm just always struck that, our prayers like when we look at Pauls praying in his letters you know we're praying for aunt Becky to be healed of this and that you know and I'm I'm all for that like I I love praying with my students asking them to and we pray we pray specifically for people to be healed <laughs> even and I try to discern like how do I best pray for that right um and and I'm not afraid to pray boldly and and I also recognize that that even that prayer for healing will be fulfilled with a resurrected body. So Mm -hmm. it's not an unfulfilled prayer. Right. So it, it, it is just a matter of when. And um, so, but, but I, I do, I do wonder if we, if there might be aspects of our relationship with God that are not cultivated
1: Oh yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think this yeah. gets into an important point. Um, I, th- obviously there are different kinds of prayer. Um, and mm-hmm. so petition, right. is just one. I mean, we have, we have prayers of, uh, gratitude, for example. Uh, we have prayers of praise. We, uh, I don't know, numerous uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and so I think some of those maybe, if if we're we can categorize prayer like that, may get into uh, some of this relational thing that you're talking about.
0: Yep, yep, yeah. I think I think different types of prayer, um, but it comes out of one relationship. Hmm. So I, well, I think. The, the idea of praying constantly, I think, has always been a challenge to me. So that's First Thessalonians um, 5, 17. Uh, unceasingly mm-hmm. be praying. And it's yeah. a present imperative. Um, so how do we do that? How do we pray? unceasingly unless it's a disposition that we have almost a disposition in our hearts and i um which i think is a relation like an ongoing relationship with god Mm -hmm. Um, but i guess there is a lot of times though there is a future there's a future part of it but i think i think i would benefit more If I would stop and just enjoy the presence of the Lord, sure, yeah, yeah, which is not—I mean, maybe even that's that's eschatological in a sense. I mean, true that that relationship is mediated by the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is shed in our hearts and communicates the love of the Father to us, and we're told that the Holy Spirit is a down deposit of our Mm -hmm. future inheritance. So maybe even that enjoyment is eschatological. So I'm not sure I can get away from your point. It's certainly, it's certainly revelatory or apocalyptic. That is God breaking in to the world. But, but maybe there is just this always future look because we're not there yet. We're heading there. Mm. We're not there yet. And I just, one thing that really captivates me about Jesus is praying the, the high priestly prayer of jesus in john chapter 17 is he gets really excited towards the end of his praying that he wants his disciples to see him in fellowship with the father yeah (laughs) that's beautiful Mm -hmm. i mean he's like i i can't wait you guys will see this (laughs) i want you to be there i want you to be where i will be and um and so I guess that that's kind of a check. I'm kind of checking myself on really stressing this relational nowness, which really is simply an anticipatory of the thenness, yeah, of of the Trinitarian fellowship enjoined from eternity. Well, that, that's a little glimpses of right now. Uh, that's yeah. a great way to put it. The the nowness
1: and the thenness. Good book title. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good way to put it.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're hoping. I mean, we're hoping that we can maybe develop some some title out of this these podcasts. So yeah, that'd be great. um, I'm I'm taking notes. (laughs) Like I think there's already ideas really germinating here. Yeah. So uh, real quick, as we
1: uh, come to an end here, uh, who who would you say have been some of the thinkers I mean whether authors or scholars or just Mm -hmm. people in your life who who have who've helped nurture and cultivate your understanding and practice of prayer
0: well I think there's been a lot it's a it's a great question I think there's been a lot um you know there's E.M. Bounds book on prayer has always been kind of a classic I I don't remember really getting into it though maybe I'm just missing something but his book apparently is, has been very instrumental for people. I remember working with uh, Dr. Steve Siemens at uh, Asbury Theological Seminary. He had a small group, and we worked through um, Andrew Murray's with, with Christ in the School of Prayer. And so I think that was a very formative book for me to work through in a small group setting back in the late 1980s maybe early 19, you know, around 1990. So yeah, with Christ in a School of Prayer by Andrew Murray. Trying to think if there's any other ones. I mean, I think probably Richard Foster's, you know, just the disciplines, uh, which is based on uh, Dallas Willard Sunday School class, apparently. So that book talks about different uh, Christian disciplines. What's the name of that book, Michael? I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah so Richard Foster on the Christian disciplines, but he'll have a section on prayer. Um, I think that's all I can come up with at the moment. How about about you? Yeah,
1: um, I've been uh, theologically, so I I, I never really had somebody teach me how to pray. I never have had a class on prayer. Um, And I guess one of my frustrations with it is that, you're we're not it's just presupposed especially in evangelical circles that you just know how to pray right like and know how to how to do it spontaneously which i don't i i can do that but i i feel like i'm short changing god somehow when i do that sometimes um you know like if i i don't know like praying before a meal like are we really doing it just because it's a formality or like do we really like want to stop and pray, you know? Uh, So I think about those kinds of things a lot. Yeah. Um, But uh, one, I did have one class during my MDiv at uh, Lexington Theological where we had this book called let the whole church say amen. I love this book. Um, Mm -hmm. And what it does is it teaches you different uh, types of prayers and how to write them like it takes you through the mechanics of prayer writing and crafting that's so a really good book uh lawrence Holstuke, i think is his name uh, i've theologically i've really been influenced by uh jürgen moltmann abraham heschel uh stanley grenz um the, those mm-hmm. three are those three are, have probably influenced me theologically more than uh anyone else hmm. yeah um hmm. Uh, well, I would add uh, Nowen. I, I forgot. Did I say him? Nowen now and earlier, earlier. Yeah, yeah. Earlier. I would add him to that. Uh, Nowen. uh, definitely Nowin. Um, the the main contemplative that I've I've read, you know, prior to Merton. Uh, so yeah, Moltmann, Nowen, um, uh, Grins and Heschel. Those are my mm-hmm. my theological influences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very rich. Yeah. Very rich. Yeah. Well, um, I think we will end with a parting shot.
1: Yeah. The, are you uh, you gonna give it? You are gonna give the yeah, shot? Parting shot. I got shot? one.
0: I got one here. Good. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Hmm. Martin Great. Luther apparently says that. Wow.
1: Well, all right.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We got a bunch more coming up on prayer. We're just going to tackle these topics as they they surface. So we hope that you'll uh, listen in and, hey, communicate with us. If you have questions on prayer, shoot them our way um, on social media or through our website at, the, at glosahouse.com, the contact page there. We'd love to hear from you. But thanks for listening. We'll, we hope you'll tune back in next time. Until then, ahui ho. Thank you.